Hello, everyone. I'm Estelle, and welcome to the Word for Work podcast, a place where we explore the intersections of personal development and faith through audio storytelling. In today's episode, we have another special guest with us. She is, to say the least, a lawyer who graduated and did both her bachelor's and master's in the UK, admitted as an advocate and solicitor of the High Court in Malaya, and have since accumulated various legal experiences in major law offices in London and in Kuala Lumpur. Before we get into knowing and learning more about her story and journey, as usual, let's roll the intro music. Hello, Vilia. Thank you for agreeing and taking the time to come on board to our virtual studio. Despite, you know, as we briefly spoken before, you'll be actually taking on an exciting new role with Oracle. And if my memory serves me well, it's starting officially tomorrow, right? Yes. Hi. Um, my new role will start tomorrow. So yes, very excited to uh, see what is in store for me lah, in the new role. Mm. Indeed, and we're really grateful to have you spending the eve of your next career journey with us here today. And once again, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. And coming back to our focus for today, I'm sure our listeners would like to know you better. Can you tell us more about yourself? Like, where are you from? How was your upbringing like? And what made you decide to pursue your journey in law? Oh, okay, okay. Okay, so basically, um, I grew up in Kuantan, uh, same as Estelle actually, we're actually high school friends now. Then um, after I finished my SPM, I did uh, South Australian matriculation in Taylor's College. And thereafter, I did um, uh, the Taylor's 2 plus 1 twinning law program with University of Reading. So what made me pursue law? I... Honestly, at that point of time, I really don't have like a conviction or anything. It's just that my friends and family told me that uh, it's a safe choice. And then uh, I did get to know a lawyer at that time that um, shared with me about what she was doing um, in in her legal practice. And it was was actually helping the convicted to reduce their sentencing. So that got me quite interested. So I was like, okay. So this job can also help people. And at the same time, you know, people keep saying that law degree is quite versatile. So I went for it. So after I finished my law degree, I did a master's in London as well. And then after that, I came back to Malaysia and to start my legal career per se. Lah. And I'm currently a corporate lawyer in Kuala Lumpur. Cool. Thanks for, for sharing that with us. And you mentioned you did also masters in the UK. Was this part of the original plan um, of, of you, of your family? And, and how, how was that like? Okay, so basically, uh, maybe just to give you a context of how to actually qualify as a lawyer in Malaysia, first you must have a legal degree. And then when you finish that, you actually have to take an extra professional paper uh, or you can call it the bar examination. Lah. In UK, they call it the BPTC. 
in Malaysia, they call it the CLP. So after you pass this, then only you can uh, basically enter the profession. A master's is not really required lah, uh, for that purpose. But because I'm also, I would say that I'm quite uh, curious, passionately curious about knowledge and also I would, uh, I'm quite academic in that sense. I When I finished my law degree and I applied for BPDC, I didn't actually secure a position to further my studies in that area. So when when that area, I, I cannot pursue that area, I was like, okay, why not I try out on the academic side? Because I was also very interested in taking a master's and, you know, if God's willing, one day I will also want to do my PhD. Lah. So I did a master's in law right after my um, law degree, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and also knowing you well since high school, yeah, I could just uh, say that you are always one of the role models, smart, funny, outspoken, and I think that I goes da- along. I yeah, like smart, la, but funny. It <laughs> goes along with all the great qualities that you have, and and for sure, I think we are. Um, as a friend, I'm also very proud that you have decided to to pursue also to in terms of knowledge seeking, go for masters, and and perhaps was that um, how was that journey for you doing masters abroad? How did your family took that? And maybe you could walk us through to that journey of yours. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So actually, uh, at that point of time, when I was doing my master's, remember I said it was after my law degree and then I was, I was basically rejected lah, for, for my uh, application for BBTC. At that point, my family was in a bit of a financial difficulty, actually. Because at that time, the foreign exchange rate for UK... Uh, UK pound and also Malaysian ringgit was very high. And since I didn't actually get my first choice, which is BBTC, my family did suggested for me to take, wait it out, wait it out a year, and then in that year apply for BBTC. But at the end, for personal reasons, I did ended up being a master's course. I, I, I really wanted to pursue this side of it. So I, I did end up there. Yeah, with the conversion rate, I assume yeah, it must not have been easy for for both you and your family and perhaps if it's also okay for you you could share a little bit like were you also working part-time or or how did you sustain yeah yeah it wasn't easy that time actually so um it came to a point that I need to find part-time jobs to fund for my living expenses in the UK and uh, because at the same time uh, because I know that not taking a uh, law degree and not doing BPTC at, at the very least I must get legal related exposures to beef up my CV la. maybe backtrack a bit at that point to simply put it that year when I was doing masters I was a lost ship okay? so I made uh, a few rash decisions and my, my, my financial management wasn't that great I was a bit far from God in fact I was resistant to be anywhere near God so thinking back Maybe the psyche behind was probably because I was a bit ashamed to face God lah, because I wasn't doing anything that he was pleased with. And I was so I clearly know that I I, I shouldn't be doing things that I should be I was doing that time. So back back then I also didn't fully understand the concept of you know God's love and God's grace and God will love me regardless of what I do more or what I do less. Long story cut short, I was in bad shape mentally at that time and I was in a very depressed headspace, like crying every day, uh, 
it was very tough lah. So then, uh, maybe to tell you a story of the turning point lah. So one day, my aunt who resides in the UK called me. And that was the first time uh, in a long time she called me and she was telling me how much God loves me, uh, God died for me on the cross. I was very precious. But of course, at that time, I had nothing could go into uh, my mind. Lah. And of course, I was in a very, very dark headspace. But this is the miraculous part. At one point during the conversation, it, it, it's, very, it's very hard to explain, but I felt this rush of peace that flowed through me, you know. And then suddenly, as I was saying, I was crying all the time, but suddenly my tears just stopped. And for the first time in what seems for like a very long time, I can think clearly. And there was no like haze around my mind and I was at peace, I was settled. So when we ended the call, I said a very short prayer to God. I was like, God, please help me. I, I need help. I think that was the first time I really made plea to God like, in a long, in a very, very long time. And from there on, from that moment, I picked myself back up and told myself there's no point crying and I just need to start looking for a job. And then started sending resumes on online job portals like, for legal and non-legal jobs because you don't know whether you can get legal jobs straight away, right? And to mind you, uh, I have no experience working whatsoever. I've never like really worked uh, as a waitress or anything, but I applied for all jobs anyway. So I went door to door knocking if they are looking for waitress or if they are looking for any help lah, that pays me. So uh, God is very good. I think because I also took active steps and I mean by the by God's grace, like someone with no experience. I think one week after I started applying for all the jobs, I started getting uh, a call from a Japanese restaurant, I remember. So they called me and they were like, okay, come for interview. And when I went for the interview, they took me in, in immediately. And uh, even though it was for the minimum wage at that point of time, like probably around six pound-ish, but I was very, very grateful because I needed the money to sustain my life at that time. Yeah. So this is also another story that I really have to tell because three days after I started my waitressing job, I got another email from a legal recruiter for a legal related role. And that role pays for double the price I was offered lah for my waitressing job. So I was like overjoyed lah to say the least because all this really happened after the call with my aunt and also the prayer that I said to God lah. Maybe to give a bit of background as well, I was given half a year uh, extra visa as a master's student to stay in the UK after the academic semester to do my dissertation. So the timing was right because at that time, I can also use that time, that extra six months to look for these jobs to sustain my life and also to get more exposures in legal firms and also um, jobs that I want to have exposure in lah. Uh, really, from that point onward, uh, God's grace was just pouring and pouring after that. Yeah, because um, I must also say that those legal roles that I took up from there on was all short and short and temporary roles, and there's actually no certainty that I would be able to secure the next job or when the assignment would end. So on average, each role would probably take around uh one month to end. Uh, and also they can tell you the assignment will finish on that day itself and ask you to leave on the very day. But God's grace was evident lah. 
because every time one assignment ends, I will be able to secure the next job almost immediately. And sometimes I even get offer for the next job before the current one finishes. So in total, for the extra six month visa time, I had around six roles uh, with different different law firms, international law firms, with increase, increasing wages for each roles. Uh, for the for the six months before I had to return to Malaysia when my visa expires, so that was really an episode of my master's life in UK that I think uh, I wouldn't be able to pull out lah, pull through without God's help lah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Vilia. God is definitely very good, and like you said, very evidently when you now reflect back, and I mean, yeah. it seems like a coincidence, right? That everything flows naturally, but at I could imagine being you at that point of the time you you were yeah. uh, obviously struggling, right? Yeah, and you know, after, yeah, correct. Yeah. In the way, it's like you have to learn how to just rely on God's grace and hold on to Him in all, like in difficult times, in easy times, fix really just to fix your eyes on Him and He will get things, you know, sorted for you. Mm. Mm. Yep. And uh, like like you said, you were a lost sheep. So um, as we also learn from from the Bible, the parable of lost sheep. Out of hundred sheep, if there's one that is lost, from the ninety nine, the the Lord will rejoice once he found that that one lost sheep. And and I'm sure the the Lord Himself in in heaven is overflow with joy as well, seeing how you you turn out today. Yeah, and, all really uh, all glory to God lah. Amen. Uh, so fast forward to to where you are today in your career. Um, after your you have completed your masters and and all these different uh, experiences, you then decided to to come back to Malaysia. Can you also walk us through how did you come to that decision and and how did that started out for you? Because I guess it's still common, but not necessarily the valid perception is that someone that has graduated overseas like yourself and also having some bouquet of legal work experiences abroad would have a good lawn patch to continue abroad, right? To, to perhaps <laughs> stay in the UK. But of course... Um, we are also more than happy that you decided to come back home in Malaysia to serve. So can you walk us through how that thought process was like for you then? Okay. So at that point of time, uh, if uh, I really just surrendered to God, um, it was also open to me that if the opportunity arises that I can stay in UK and continue my legal career in UK, I would be... I'll be very happy lah, to take it up if, if the opportunity arises, but it didn't. So um, I, I, I wouldn't say that coming back to Malaysia is a second choice because it's just different career path, you see, different career route. So coming back to Malaysia, there's a lot of people that made it here as well and there's plenty of exposure here as well. And the work you do is generally the same. It's just that the client that you serve as a lawyer, the jurisdiction that you serve, the type of work, uh, the parties involved will be slightly different in um, in Malaysia versus in UK. So when the doors didn't open in UK, so I was like, it's very natural for me to think, okay, I'll just come back Malaysia and to pursue a legal career in Malaysia. Then, because if I take the BPTC, like I was saying previously, if I take the BPTC in UK, I would still have to come back to Malaysia and practice because. 
in UK at that point of time, I think now is this, uh, it's the case as well. It's quite hard for uh, a barrister or a solicitor to secure like a permanent role uh, in legal career in UK still. So most Malaysian would naturally come back to Malaysia unless there's an exceptional offer that arises uh, in their stay. So it was quite natural for me to come back to Malaysia at that point of time after my master's. Mm-hmm. Thanks for, for sharing that uh, level of detail with us. Um, <laughs> so once you're, once you're back in Malaysia, so what was your primary focus then? So basically when I returned to Malaysia, um, I took a gap year actually before I resumed my whole legal career plan lah, because I had some personal issues to sort out in my hometown. So once that's done, I took my professional paper CLP, uh, the Malaysian Bar Examination in 2017. So that was the exam that you have to take after law degree before you can do your pupillage in a law firm. So basically, uh, if I can backtrack a bit, the whole route to become a lawyer in Malaysia, you must first have a law degree and then you must do a professional paper, either the UK BPTC or the Malaysian CLP exam. If when you pass that, then only you can apply for a pupillage position in a law firm. And that's, uh, I would say that it's equivalent to housemanship for doctors. Lah. Except that for doctors, I think it's two years, but for lawyers, it's nine months. So once you finish the nine months pupillage, then you are called to, a, to the bar in front uh, before, before the judges as an advocate of solicitor, uh, and solicitor of Malaysia. Uh, so to me, I took the CLP in 2017 and CLP is also very notorious for its high failure rate lah, because um, they wanted to restrict the entry of players into the industry and mainly because of oversupply of lawyers as well. I, I would think lah, that's the situation we're in right now. Not so much, uh, not as bad as in UK, but then I think in Malaysia, it's like increasingly oversupplying. So... Uh, all glory to God, I also managed to pass the CLP at first attempt. Lah. So after that, after I passed the CLP, I, uh, I was looking for a pupillage position. So with all the legal experiences that I've amassed in London, I actually had my eye on a few bigger law firms in KL and I thought that I had a good chance in securing a pupillage position because I knew I wanted a bigger firm that can offer me the exposures uh, in as much practice areas that's available out there. But that was like when I first started out. But little did I know, I did not even get interviewed into any of the law firms I wanted. And that was a big blow to my pride. <laughs> Eventually, I did secure myself in a position in my then firm, which is called Train Company, uh, a medium-sized firm at that time. You know what? God works in the most mysterious way that you cannot imagine. And he knows the desires of the heart. Few months after I joined the firm, I realized that the firm is merging with another big medium-sized firm, and the resulting firm, which is the the firm that I was in, which is called Tree and Company plus Chang and Arif, and the resulting firm is actually uh, uh, within the top ten biggest law firm in Malaysia lah. So all of the practice area that I can think of, CCA, which is my then firm, is offering. So you see, God answers prayers in the most mysterious way in that you really cannot think of, but he knows the desires of your heart. 
sometimes I also learn that, you know, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no for your own good, but sometimes God says wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> could also share some, some similar experience to that. I guess um, God, like you said, knows the desire to our hearts. He would say yep. yes, but probably at a, at a different timing. So probably yes later. Yep. And, and, and listening to, to your story is also quite evident that when, when we now look back and we now connect the dots, everything seems to fall into place, right? And, and being at that time, again, it's not possible to see. And therefore, I could only echo your, your previous takeaway that we should always hold on to him, um, to really yep. trust in him. And, and know that his plan would is the best for us yeah and the best for for us yes yep. <laughs> very well said yeah so I guess all turns out pretty well uh, as, yeah. as we now reflect uh, yeah. and then do you recall any key challenges so when when you did you finish your pupillage for for the nine months durations did you continue on with this newly merged firm? And what was your, your work experiences then as a practicing mm. lawyer? Yeah. So basically, my work in my then firm, basically a trade company, Plus Chang and Arif, abbreviated as CCA Law, because huh? it's quite a mouthful. <laughs> so yes, I did continue my pupillate, sorry, I did continue my legal career there. Basically, I was retained as a legal associate in that firm itself in a department that I like which is the corporate department. So uh, basically from the start, I already know that I wanted to do corporate work and particularly mergers and acquisition work. But I was actually placed in a position to take over another person's role, which is which does conveyancing portfolio. And that wasn't really what I wanted. So basically conveyancing is the transaction involving real estate. Lah. So that wasn't really what I wanted. Because as I mentioned, I wanted to do like real corporate work and not really transactions involving real estate, uh, which is good experience, I must say. It was, it's also a very, very good practice area, but it's just not, I want, not what I wanted at that point of time. So God does know your desires of heart, you see. As I came to a point that um, I, was, I feel so stuck and I almost gave up actually, and I wanted to resign at that, uh, at that point actually. So one of the partners in the firm that was doing M&A work, had a vacancy for legal associate role. So I jumped at that opportunity and requested for a transfer within the firm, and I got it. So from that point onwards, I had the opportunity to practice, to hone my skills in the area that I like. So I was involved in different, different various corporate transactions and advisory work in all sorts of industries. So as I progressed in my legal career, I realized that I also had a keen interest in the tech industry. I mean, tech is the future and especially with the current pandemic, businesses had to turn into digital sphere and there was a boom in legal tech related work. So I knew that my next role had to be legal tech. That's also how I kind of find my way and filter the next of um, the roles that's around at that time and I make sure I pinpoint to apply legal related tech roles yeah yep I think it's also quite interesting that you you mentioned that interest as you 
started your professional career in in the firm and with the exposure to different masteries, right? Different yes. um, specialization, which is offered to you, and and slowly from there, also from from seeing how your other colleagues does it, or also looking at trends of today or of the future, you slowly slowly would. Realize that hey, this is really what I want to do. This is what I'm passionate about, or where my strengths lies. If it would be great if both are intersecting, of course, and mm. and then let's say keeping an eye on opportunities that are out there to help you achieve those、uh, preferences. And I would say that a lot of early professionals would resonate to that because、mm-hmm. as we graduate from universities and then we are again. Um, of course, going into a particular field, but still, we are in this exploration phase where we、yes. we、It's、are still open、phase. for yeah a lot of yeah. opportunities and and is still at a stage where we we are curious, but at the、yeah. same time also having certain capacity and and flexibility to pivot right、mm-hmm. um, and very. Glad that you also brought that up because、um, definitely very relevant for for early <laughs> professionals today. So maybe since there was an opportunity that arise, you you went on. T- was it all smooth after that? I mean, was your decision at that point playing out as you visualize it, or was there still challenges that is、uh, unforeseen? And and how did you manage to overcome that? Of course, there's challenges. It wasn't easy, you know, because um, I guess in general, um,、uh, no one, no one had it easy lah during this um,、uh, I mean during the pandemic. So I think similar to a lot of others out there as well during the pandemic, I was also, uh, I I suffered a pay cut as well, and not just me, my family, my immediate family was also affected. So. My dad was unemployed during the pandemic, so basically, my family's aggregate income was reduced by quite a big portion, and my pay become、uh, the the biggest portion for the whole family. So、uh, in a way, I had to be the breadwinner lah at that time. But with the pay that I was getting, including the pay cut, it was not enough to sustain the basic living expenses for us as a family, lah. So I, I came to a point I was desperately needing a higher paying job. So on top of all these interests and also, ah,、uh, the kind of work that I'm doing, and also basically facing the reality of life, I really needed a pay that's enough to sustain my family, lah. So I started to look around, and that was basically the push that I needed to look around for opportunities around me. And as a legal practitioner, broadly speaking, you you actually have two options to go lah. One, you can either continue practice and eventually be a partner, be promoted as a partner in an existing firm, or you can set up your own firm and be a partner, or you can go. In house and work for existing corporations in their legal department. So to me, that time, because I was very stressed as well, and maybe I was also in my junior mid level of my career, so I wasn't very sure which route I can take. So I applied to both. I applied to legal firms as well, and as well as in house opportunities. And on top of that, because there was no responses, 
for all the applications that I take, but you know, life goes on and month by month, I will still have to take up odd jobs to earn a little bit extra. So just so that I have enough to cover every month. And you know, by God's grace, every month was just enough. Thinking back, you know, without God's help, without God, God's hand in my family and also our financial situation, we wouldn't be able to pull through. Just one month also cannot actually. So I think the turning point that time, because that time it was, I was really, really, really stressed and the financial stress was, it's very real and it's really eating me over. I, I got distracted again, basically. I, I got distracted from God again by all these financial woes and worries and I was slowly creeping into the dark headspace again. <laughs> so the turning point, I would say, is when I attended my church conference last year. Uh, I attend Kingdom City, actually. And during the conference, I realized that I was so distracted with all this burden and worry. And I forgot how God still loves and takes care of me and my needs. Like, he, he actually cares for me. So that was the, the key thing that I realized. And I had to relearn how to be in the presence of God, to seek God in quiet time again, and to, to soften all the noise, the money trouble, the distractions that I was so into, and just to hold through God in difficult times by spending quiet time and relying on God's grace solely. So basically at that time, uh, my connect leader also prayed for me and supported me in my journey holding on to God, it's a day-by-day thing and month-by-month thing, you see. Literally every week, I think, once a week, once every two weeks, my connect leader will call me and pray with me and believe in me, claim the promises for me. So it's a process really that slowly I began to feel and the joy and peace from the Lord again. I was able, like previously, I wasn't able to see the goodness in life because life is just so tough. And I was just busy chasing money to sustain my life. But slowly after the conference, my focus changed to focus on God's grace and also God's provision and promises in my life. So the focus changed from relying on my own strength, but now I rely on God's strength. So, and also learn to be thankful in all circumstances and to hold firm that, you know, God will come true for me to fix my eyes on Jesus because he has settled it for me and he has won all battles for me. And I really believed and prayed for this and also particularly for my new job and my finances. Uh, it was very, very tough still. I was at the same time I applied for many, many jobs and there was no responses, but I still believe, you know, God is still with me. He will provide and sustain and know he knows what I need to go through this phase of my life. So there's so many rejections going on, but the change, the change is, is that I can feel the hope and also the certainty that, you know, God's going to come true for me. And it wasn't uh, like previously, I was so hopeless and day, month by month, day by day, I was just trying my best on my own strength to overcome this. But this time around, I was so certain that God's going to come, come true for me, that my breakthrough is coming. And also by attending Connect, you hear so many testimonies by other people and you get, and you're so encouraged by it as well. So I really, so that really, really helped in my journey. And true enough, when I was applying for my current role, my Connect leader calls me for, and prays with me, supports me 
phone calls uh, weekly or sometimes two weeks, uh, once every two weeks. So one day, basically my uh, connect leader calls me and pray with me. And then that time, I remember clearly she claimed that, you know, in the next week or so, I'm going to have a breakthrough in my job application. So true enough, few days after she prayed for me that prayer, I had uh, I sent in uh, an application to my current job that I told you uh, that I'm starting tomorrow actually, and uh, I had uh, I had a call in for interview. So from the point that I sent in the, the application until I secured the job offer, it only took two weeks, and all the interview process and everything was very smooth. So really, all glory to God. Really, I I feel like when I changed my focus. When, uh, in dealing with difficult circumstances in life, God really, really come true for me. That, that, that was really all glory to God, lah, that God is so evident in the whole situation. Yep, amen. I mean, listening to your stories, Vilia, and I mean, you, you face different challenges at a different phase of life, right? And there's always, uh, when you look back, there's the different breakthroughs, but also if I can say the different lessons learned uh, that help you to grow as an individual. And of course, throughout the process, uh, you have also demonstrated a very strong will and a desire for to, to seek God and, and the aspiration to now also share this inspiring story with others. And like the saying say, tough times don't last, tough people do. And uh, in, in our eyes, you're really a, a really tough lady. It's, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and, and that's why I'm very sure and confident that your story would be a blessing to, to others and couldn't agree more that we should do life together and the connect or cell groups uh, that you have in churches definitely helps you to inspire one another in, in the different phases of ups and downs. So thank you so much for walking through that journey of yours with us, very personal and, um, you, and very you. authentic. So thank you so much. I guess we're coming towards the end of our episodes. Maybe can you share a few yeah, parting uh, words of wisdom you would like our listeners to, to take away and act upon and perhaps close it with your favorite Bible verse? Okay. So maybe to sum it up, uh, all my experiences and also what I learned from my when I reflect back, I can probably come up with three points. The first one is that, you know, God is faithful in all times. God, uh, life is still good. If you are facing something very, very difficult that you feel like you just cannot do it anymore, that you cannot uh, face it anymore, please just give, give yourself a chance, you know, believe in God once more, that God is, life is still very, very good because God is always good. You know, this word has um, come true for me for so many times in different, different phases of my life. Life, when you see it just like that, it, it's so bad. It seems so bad, there's no hope. But that's all enemies lie, you see. Uh, life is still very, very good because God is always, always good. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Hold on to Him with all the little strength that you have. Hold on to Him and He will come true for you. Okay, and the second one is that he's, he really knows the desires of your heart and he knows what you really want and you know he loves you so much he would give it to you but in his own time 
and his ways are always higher than your way and you know be very very hopeful that God's gonna come true for you lah your desires of your heart the difficult times he is still there okay and then the third one is uh, it's always always I, I really really encourage you guys to stay connected to a support system that will help you grow you see no man is an island really and you really need someone to be there to support you to hold you accountable to this journey and your walk with God and to encourage each other in this walk and I think that's very, very important as well because for the longest time previously I wasn't connected to uh, a support system a self-group or a church really but when I really made the decision to root myself in a support group uh, my self-group basically uh, I can really see the change how I view difficulties in life and also different different things that pop up in my life lah. because you hear from different people's story you hear testimonies and you encourage one another in our in each of our journey with God so I think um, throughout the my whole life there is one verse one Bible verse that really really spoke to me and I claim it all the time and it's a classic one basically it's Proverbs uh, 3 5 to 6 Basically, it says, uh, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your path straight. And also, the other Bible verse that uh, my, I wanted to raise this because this Bible verse, my cell group leader really claimed it for me uh, for my breakthrough, this recent one. And it's also from Proverbs uh, 13, 12 to 14. It says, unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. So, I, I would say that, you know, stay close to God. And then, if the situation gets harder, that shows you how much stronger you need to hold on to God, actually. Just hold on to Him, and I promise you that life will turn around, and God will, God will let you see a breakthrough that you cannot even imagine. If you hold on to him, if you honor God, God will definitely honor you back. Couldn't agree more. Vilia, uh, amen to all you have shared with us today. Really inspired all the testimonials at different phase of life you have shared with us. Also, becoming a lawyer is, is not easy. For sure. <laughs> and, and the challenges would still continue that I could confidently say. Like, um, he's there to prosper us and not to harm us and uh, we just have to put our trust in him we have to also trust in the challenges that he put in front of us because he knows that we can manage it in the end and, and that yeah, would, amen, amen. Uh, promote our our growth um, as an individual as a as a brother sister in christ and ultimately firing others as well so thank you so much again for your openness um, and willingness to share your story in this word for word podcast it's been a pleasure and uh, to our listeners thank you for tuning in to this month's episode of word for work and we'll see you in the next one thank you thank you bye Thank you for tuning in to this week's release of Word for Work. 
Do follow us on our socials and subscribe for more content. And we'll see you in our next episode. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.